Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. Farikarakia, my house will be a house of prayer. You know, when we started, I started pastoring here for the last probably 10, 12 years. I've been itinerant preaching. Uh, that means I'm never here. I'm always somewhere else in someone else's church. Um, but uh, here in this one uh, right now, pastoring, which is great. But we started the series uh, last year. The series we had was Give Me Faith. Give Me Faith. You know, a lot of churches were coming out of COVID. Uh, there were a lot of challenges around, and who knows we needed faith. You needed faith. I, I needed faith. I'm pastoring for senior pastoring for the first time. I needed faith. You needed faith to put up with me. <laughs> That's it. My wife needed faith. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Preach it. Preach it. Give me faith. And you see, what happens is, is that you, faith cannot be sustained. You can have a move of faith. You can feel faith filled and you can move forward. But you can't sustain faith without transformation, which was the next series, which was transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by changing the way you think. Nothing is more powerful than a changed mind. Often the difference between you moving forward in Christ and, and, and staying where you are is just nothing more than a change of thought. And so out of a changed mind actually comes action. Action. Something happens. Action. And action happens. You've got the faith. You feel the stirring, the transformed mind is sustaining the faith. I've got to do something with that. Well, next week we're going to be starting a new series called Acts. We're going to actually be going through the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles. It should really be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. But before all of that begins, before that begun, if you look at the Scriptures, we needed to pray. Or you can have faith, you can have transformation, but you need to have prayer in your life. Just to prove this, because some people might have a lot of questions about it, let me read some scriptures for you, just to back up what I'm saying. Ephesians 1.16 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition, which is specific, strategic, and heart, there's a specific prayer. It's not just some random prayer, but specifically what you need. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Philippians 4.6 says, Devote yourself to prayer. Devote, not just while you're having your cup of coffee and a bit of toast in the morning, just sort of kicking the dog out of the way and getting into your car. You just sort of say a quick hallelujah and praise the Lord as you walk out the door. But devote yourself to prayer. Being watchful, being thankful. Colossians 2 says always be joyful, pray continuously, continuously. That's a big call. Give thanks all day. The way I like to bring this continuous prayer into my life is I'd carry Christ through my day. I'm not perfect. I get it wrong. I have my hard times. But it's important that when you reach this place of communion with the gods, sometimes just stop in your day and get out of your workplace at lunchtime and just send your affection towards God. Just send your affection to Him. And you see what comes back. Jeremiah 29, 12 says, Then you'll call on me. Come and pray to me and I will listen. Matthew 5, 44, Pray for even those who persecute you. Not just people that are grumpy at you. Not just people that have just dislike you. Persecute. Persecute is a really rough word, man. Persecution. We won't go into that. Message for another day. Look it up. Pray for those too. 
Psalm 102, 17, he will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. I think there's somewhere around 700 specific calls to pray in the scriptures, to pray. In fact, it was Leonard Ravenhill that said, if you're weak in prayer, you are weak everywhere. If you are weak in prayer, then you are weak everywhere. Jesus said that his house would be a house of prayer. And I think in today's church, many people have called this the house. This is the house. We should be praying here. But you see, when Christ came, when he died, no longer were we worshiping him in an ark. No longer was it a tabernacle that only a few could get to. Now the house is you. This is the house where the prayer resides. You are a house of prayer. I am a house of prayer. As that scripture said, we don't want the den of robbers coming in, removing that from your life. Often it is just prayer life that separates you from walking in passion with the Lord and struggling to go, why am I even here? You know, Jesus modeled for us a life of prayer to teach us the power and the value of prayer. I've got four points today that I just felt that Jesus really brought to bear in prayer life. And I think we need to bring these into our life at the moment. Pretty simple. There's hundreds of things he brought in, but these ones I want to focus on. The first thing that I want to look at today about the power of prayer and what it offers to us is this. Everyone say, peace in the storm. So here's an interesting picture right here. This is a Rembrandt, by the way. I thought I'd get pretty flash for you guys here. You know, pull out the really expensive uh, paintings. So this is a Rembrandt. And so this is a picture of Christ being woken in the boat in the middle of a storm. Everybody is terrified around him, yet he's asleep in a place where there is an incredible storm. How on earth can he be asleep? Well, the reason he's asleep, because the kingdom he lives in, there is only peace. And the proof that he's living in another kingdom is the fact that when he is awoken, the first thing he does is release the kingdom within him to what's around him. What kingdom is in you? And what are you releasing around you? Hmm? The world that Jesus lives in, there is no storm. I want to tell you, I have found this. The greater the contention on you, the greater the call. That's it, plain and simple. I've been doing this for a few years now. I've been around the nation. I've been in some crazy meetings. I've prepared for events. I can share with you. I want to tell you, the greater the call, the greater the contention in your life. I've got a friend of mine, actually, Daz Chettle. Travels around the nation. He's in planes all over. He's an absolute crazy evangelist, but I've talked with him many times, and he'll tell you the contention that went in his life before he took the call. I want to tell you, friends, what a life-soaked in prayer does for you. It braces you against external extremities so you're not always overreacting to things or, or that are going on around you or crucializing things that aren't really that crucial. Why do you think the Scriptures say, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Jesus in this boat is demonstrating uh, Philippians 4, 7, if I can get my clicker to work, there it is there. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. 
I want to tell you that scripture right there only makes sense to someone standing on the outside of your turmoil going, man, if I was going through that, there's no way I'd be going to church. If, you, if I was going through that, there's no way I'd be praying to that God of yours. If I was going through what you're going through, because you have a peace that surpasses understanding. I don't know if I'm preaching to anyone this morning. You see, you can't have a peace without an understanding unless you've got a turmoil that other people look at and go, wow, that really sucks. And if I was there, I don't know why you come here still. It's because I have a God who has peace that surpasses understanding. And if you're not feeling it, well, hey, I'll stand with you until you do. I want to tell you, friends, when you have a lifestyle of prayer, you don't act like the crowd. Everyone yelling and screaming around you, yet we pray in all things. And I want to tell you, I found we need to pray ahead of time, not just when the storm hits, not just when stuff happens. Oh, no, all I can do now is pray. Why weren't you doing that to start with? I found this, that if you are continually speaking with God before the storm, you can find peace in the storm. Praise the Lord, brother. But when we pray, these aren't eloquent prayers. When we're in these challenging places, when you're on that boat that was back there, you saw the picture. These aren't eloquent prayers. In the Psalms, there's a man called Asaph in Psalm 77.1. And he says, I cried out to God to hear me. I cried out. Not just, oh, my Lord, I just, uh, you know, haven't been getting um, car parks lately. And the man next door keeps on turning his music up too loud. You know, these are prayers. They cry out. He cried out to God. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. Here, this is the cry of someone who's in a storm. I would not be comforted. It's in the Psalms. I thought the Psalms were full of good stuff. I want to tell you, the Psalms are full of pain, a breakthrough in the pain. But then Asaph goes on, he says, I will remember. Listen, in his place where he could not find comfort. I cannot find comfort. Don't comfort me. But he's crying out to God and he can't find it. He says this. He says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your miracles long ago. I will consider all your works and I will meditate on your mighty deeds. You know what he did in that place where he couldn't be comforted was he chose to go to a time in his mind when God had already broken through for him in the past. Hmm? He remembered the deeds of the Lord. Are you remembering the deeds of the Lord over your life? Or are we wallowing in the now of the moment? But Sometimes in the middle of our now and our head is swollen, we're struggling. You've got to step out of that and go, you know, Lord, and start telling the devil what it is that God has done for you in the past because he'll do it again. Because the word testimony, literally in the Hebrew, <clears throat> sorry, Hebrews, means to do again. So if you release your testimony into your situation, you are releasing the do again spirit. Am I preaching to you on this morning? So the first thing, we have peace in the storm. The next thing I want to talk about is that we get to have deliverance for others. A prayer life gives you deliverance for others. You know, Jesus is up on the Mount of Transfiguration. 
He's been up there a little while. He's coming down all glowing and looking pretty powerful. He has the other, a couple of other disciples with him. And he comes down, and the remaining disciples are trying to cast the demon out of, out of a child. But they can't get it out. And this child keeps throwing itself onto the fire. Now, any one of you here that struggle with deliverance and all that sort of crazy stuff, just jump online to Daniel Adams' Facebook page or jump online to Catherine Crook's Facebook page and you see real deliverances happening. You want to see them? You think, oh, I think that's a bunch of crazy? I challenge you. Get onto Daniel Adams' website and see for yourself. He's videoing them. They are incredible to watch. Deliverance for others. So they come down, they can't cast this demon out of this child. And so the father comes up to Jesus and goes, look, your disciples, they just aren't really that good. The men you're training, Jesus, they can't do it. It just keeps throwing my child into the fire. So Jesus casts out this demon. You see, sometimes there's just stuff in your life you've got to bring straight to Jesus. Oh, you've tried the counseling? I love that. We need counseling. Medication? Yep, absolutely. Not, I'm absolutely not against any of that. But there's some stuff we need to go directly to Jesus on. Directly to Jesus on. The disciples came out of this experience and going, I just don't get it. We were praying just like you did, Jesus. We were shuckabundering and we were stomping the ground. We're banging our Bibles. Come on. I love this, this scripture that, that Jesus gives them. He goes, look, guys, it's okay. It's all good. You're learning. You're not the apostles. You're the disciples. You're still learning. He said, this kind only comes out with prayer and Fasting. I want to tell you something. Maybe you have had something lingering in your life for quite a while now. Maybe it's time that you do a bit of praying and fasting over your life. What do you know? I know of an event that's coming up next week. <laughs> bit of a plug for prayer and fast next week. Maybe on the other side of your prayer and fasting, we actually give up one hunger to actually create another hunger. I think the problem with fasting is people think that it's going without. It actually isn't. It's going with. Jesus said, I have food you know nothing about. To the disciples. Doesn't mean he had a Snickers bar hidden in his pocket. It means that he was living on kingdom food. And that's the thing about the spirit. Sometimes we've got to give up our earthly things to receive the spiritual things for a time. So deliverance for others is the second thing. The third thing I want to raise here, just to get through these, is submission to the, everyone say, process. Submission to the process. You know, Jesus, anyone agree that Jesus had it pretty hard? Yep, pretty hard. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible said that was the pinnacle of him really preparing to go to the cross. He, he was so stressed, so absolutely stressed, it said that he sweated blood. That's actually a med- I looked that up. It's actually a medical term. It has a name. I'm not going to try and pronounce it. I'm not really that good with English, let alone Latin words for things. He, it's, 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 it's something that happens, and he was so stressed. He, you imagine wiping your brow and you've got blood on it. And I want to tell you, friends, sometimes God will take you through roads you just don't want to go through. God will just take you through a road you don't want to go through. I don't want to be in this road. And yet here you are. Oh, I've been there. We moan, we groan, we complain. And Jesus actually did say, he did stand up. He did say, God, if this cup can just be taken from me, man, wiping blood off his face, just wiping it off. If this cup can be taken from me. I just love, this is him saying, dude, can somebody else do this? If it can. 
But then he, he shifts and he actually says, you know what? But no one can. So not what I want, Lord, but what you want. I think in that place, when you are in your place of pain in your life, the moment you start to trust him is where you stop the complaint and the, the suffering and that place of Asaph that we just talked about in Psalms, but where you actually go, you know what, Lord? If I have to go through this, then not my will be done, but yours, because I'm truly going to trust you, because right now I don't have a lot of trust for anything else. I don't know if this is speaking to anyone this morning. I want to tell you, sometimes God will send stuff in your life you don't like to kill the flesh. Because did you know that you have a soul, you have flesh, the stuff here? The soul is just the, who you are, your intrinsic value of who you are as a person, your personality, all this stuff. But then you have a spirit. The Bible says your spirit is at peace at all times within you. But the flesh screams out. But we want to get to this place of the spirit. That's where Jesus was in the boat. He lived in that place. You know, the cross was designed to kill the flesh. The cross, I haven't got one here, but was designed to kill the flesh. And the flesh will always cry out when the nails go in. So Jesus prays in the garden so that he has grace for the cross. I think sometimes we pay more attention to the cross than we do to the garden. We forget what Jesus did to prepare for that. This is where he demonstrated the power of the garden was on the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before her, she had a child. Anyone here birthed a child? Some painful stuff. I've been there a few times when our children are born. I thank God I'm not a woman. <laughs> For the joy set before him, a man had a son who was just so wayward and messed up as a teenager, giving his family absolute hell. Coming through drugs and alcohol, turmoil, stress. For the joy set before this father over here, the son came through that one day, gave his life to Jesus, and now is a pastoring Aspire Church. It's me. For the joy set before my dad. For the joy set before me. I had an older son who went through a lot of similar stuff. Great pain. But you see, I hold on to God who said, For the joy set before me, I see his future. And God sees your future. And now I haven't got a picture up there. I should have put it on. But my son just last year just got accepted, my oldest son, into the police college. For the joy set before me. I want to tell you, when you're looking at giving birth to a child, when you're looking at giving birth to a, a, a teenager through those years, it doesn't seem like joy. But the joy set before him was that Christ had foresight about what he was doing for humanity and what would come. We must pray, people. Maybe the music team could come up today. The last point I've got here in having a house of prayer for our Lord, house of prayer, is in prayer we find his voice. Now you've got your voice a lot, I know that. My wife hears my voice a lot. Probably not. <laughs> you know, she's used to it. She's got the voice of Jack. Jack, you speak a lot too, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> but in prayer... We find his voice, you know. 
John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. In other words, you need the voice so that you can get to the follow part. If you don't hear the voice, then it's challenging to follow because my sheep, they hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. But oftentimes we're just not interested in hearing the voice of God or maybe it's just more we send prayers up. We haven't created a place for them to come back down to us. I've found to hear the shepherd's voice, you have to have, have to get yourself into a place to hear it sometimes. Hmm? Because often we want to hear God's voice on our terms, my terms. Right, God, I'm having a prayer time now, time to speak. It's my prayer time, speak. Hurry up, I haven't got all day. I'm on my knees. Doesn't get any more spiritual than this. Now, we, we, we listen on his terms. You know, when I gave my life to the Lord, it's interesting. I had met Tanya. We'd been through a very challenging time in our life. This was many, many years ago. And um, we were in church in Blenheim. I hadn't really given my life to the Lord yet because I wasn't ready, because I wasn't in the place. We moved to Nelson. We moved here, actually. You've seen the lights down a bit, Gary. That'd be great. People are probably sick of looking at me. And um, I came to this church, actually. The very first day we came to this church, uh, uh, Pastor Tony Saxon was here, and he, he, he pointed. It was actually pretty much right where Jack and Tony, my wife, are sitting right now, pointed to us. And he goes, you two. He said, God is building a new house in you. I didn't even know what that meant, new house. I just, we'd just finished, I'd just finished building a house the year before, so it sort of was a word of knowledge. I think, what does he mean a house? What's he talking about? So I wasn't ready to hear yet. So what happened was, is that over the next 18 months, I started to learn to trust God. And then, it was actually right about here, I knelt down and I gave my heart to Jesus in that church, this church, right here, on that bit of carpet there somewhere. And I started to journey into Christ. Now, it is it's something you need to journey, you need to learn about the faith. Just like you learn about being an engineer, just like you learn about being a musician, so do you need to learn the faith, to learn it. Otherwise, you'll let the media and other loud voices out there shape your opinions of everything. No, let God shape that. And then two years later, or three years later, over here, this area here, somewhere here, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit over here. I was weeping like a baby. I was the worship leader of the church. We had a Steve from Tucson, Arizona came and he, he prayed and I was just, the spirit came on me. I was weeping like a baby. There was snot and tears over here. So right in this area. Lots of snot and tears there. Like lots in that area there. <laughs> and when I got up, I was different. I got up. I actually had a prophetic gift. I, I remember standing up. I felt like I'd been beaten with the ugly stick. I was, for th probably for about a week, I had trouble breathing and walking. I just felt like I'd been beaten up, like I had a massive as gym workout, like you know, a really bad leg day, you know? It was more than that. Okay? Any gym buffs in here would know what I mean, right? I can remember walking to church a week later and suddenly going, I have a word for everyone in this church. I don't know what to do with that. And for the next five or six years, I had to learn to walk in it. My point is, I had to be in a place to hear his voice so that I could begin to follow him. 
My house is a house of prayer. You're his house. It's in you. You are that house. You are a house of prayer. Mm. We're going to take communion in a minute. I just want to start this year off with you just humbling yourself before God. If you don't understand communion, for those who are here, the new communion is the symbol of the blood of Christ and the flesh of Christ. His blood poured out for you on the cross. His flesh broken for you. And Jesus gave thanks over it, which I'll do in a moment. And we remember him. But I believe there are many in this room that God is saying to you, it's time to start again with me. You said, oh, I already started with, no, 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 it's time to start again, again with me. There was a scripture that I had here and I felt it was significant for some people. There's a man in the Bible called Jabez. Don't really know anything more about him. In the middle of the Old Testament, this man Jabez, he cried out to the God of Israel. He said, oh God, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I'll be free from pain. And it says that God granted his request. You know, I think that scripture is there for some people this morning that need to hear that one. I'll put it back up, but I feel that more of us need to understand that you are a house of prayer. And that's where it all starts. You're struggling in your faith? Pray. Pray. And go with what God brings you because it's really, really funny how he answers your prayer. A friend will invite you to church. Someone will suggest something and you'll just turn, no, I'm waiting to hear from God. Thank you. Waiting to hear from God. When Jesus, at the end of his ministry before he went to the cross, he rode into Jerusalem. They laid the palm leaves down for him. The, the Pharisees actually said, would you tell your disciples and your people to be quiet? We're praying. Likely they were in the temple praying, oh God, would you bring the Messiah? Oh Lord, we're praying for the Messiah to come. And it is outside and they've just missed the day of their prayer being answered. And I think we can be like that. We can miss the answer of our prayer because we're too busy praying for something, but we forget to watch for the things that God will bring us to draw us to where we need to go to next. It'll be a friend doing this. It'll be something there. It'll be a sense of you doing this. And sometimes God just changes your life.